You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mella Borowski. And you're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. Thanks for having your witchy selves with us today. When I first spoke to our guest today, I was thrilled at the topic that she wanted to focus on. It's so important for all of us who are engaging in rituals, spells, and so much more on whatever path we're on. So with us today is Chelsea Quint. Chelsea is a healer, a writer, a conscious business mentor helping folks ditch toxic programming so they can live their legacies right here, right now. Absolutely thrilled to have you with us, Chelsea. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I get really, really lit up about this topic, so I'm very excited to get to be here with all of y'all. Wonderful. So if you'd like, tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can get to know you a little more. What do we need to know about you? Hmm. Well, the, the, I, hmm, the first thing you need to know about me is I don't love labels. <laughs> and so anytime, anytime I start to engage in this, who am I? Tell me about yourself, right? I, I, I feel like this weaves into the conversation around intuition. So often there's this tendency to go through, here are my labels, right? Like, here's where I live. Here's what I do for a living. And that, that concept of like, here's the template of what you need to know about me. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> I, at my core, question everything. Any kind of norm, any kind of structure, like who says that what I do for a living and where I live and all of that is what you need to know about me. So I can get all sorts of esoteric in the answer to that <laughs> question, but to provide some context of who I am as a human, I'm a human who questions everything. I am a human who lives in Brooklyn, New York, occupied Lenape and Canarsie land. I am a human who is obsessed with cats. I have two cats and I absolutely adore them. One is my fur baby, the other is absolutely my familiar, and she just, she is everything and amplifies all that I do. I have been an entrepreneur for full time for the last four years. Um, and it's been a hugely transformational journey. So a lot of who I am is someone doing my best to question the things that are damaging and create a more equitable, trauma-informed, healed world awesome. through writing and speaking and, you know, yeah. art and all sorts of things. Yeah. So on your website, the word thrive is prevalent. What does it mean to thrive? Hmm. Well, the short answer is it's going to be different for everyone. Okay. Right? I, I think that for some people, travel is hugely... I mean, I, I immediately think in the context of astrology, right? My younger sister is Sagittarius Sun and right now I'm doubting if it's her moon or her rising, but she has two prominent Sagittarius placements. Travel is a huge component for her of thriving, right? Mm -hmm. For someone with a lot of heavy cancer placements, 
having a really cozy solid home where you can feel super cozy and have like blankets and pillows. I can you tell I have solid cancer placements. <laughs> um, like that's gonna be thriving. And um, I think I've been existing in the online entrepreneurship space for a few years. And it's easy to fall into this notion in whatever space you are. It's easy to pick up a template about what thriving means, right? Thriving means this monetary achievement. Thriving means this like marriage or romantic partnership achievement. Thriving means having kids. Thriving means being able to travel. Like there's so many external definitions of what thriving means. To me, it starts with being able to answer the question. Can you answer the question? And I will invite anyone who's listening. What makes you feel alive? Mm. And if you are spending, I don't have like a statistic on it, but if you are spending more time than not, if you are investing more of your energy than not in actions, things, goals, intentions, practices, communities, that make you feel alive, mm -hmm. that's thriving. Okay. It's regenerative living, living where the more you expend, the more you get back. And that, that to me is thriving. It's operating from a space that is, it's tapping into that infinity loop of the more I give, the more I receive. It's an easy thing to like slap on an affirmation and toss up on Instagram but tapping into the energy of it is unique to your DNA. Yeah. So that's to me what thriving really means. Oh, I love that. I love making it personal. And, and that really goes into what we were going to talk about today. And y'all going to see how that relates. But first, I do want to ask you another question. And that is just a basic question on intuition. What is intuition? Just a basic definition. In my mind, intuition is the innate knowing that we are all born with and just like thriving is going to be a unique definition for everyone intuition is going to have a unique flavor for you in large part based on the channels that you receive information through more readily and in part through some of your lineage, some of your conditioning, some of, you know, the ways you've been taught to receive information. Yeah. I deeply believe in, we can all tap into all, all different, um, channels so we can be as claircognizant as we can be clairaudient. We can create those. I don't believe anyone is like born with and has more wisdom or access to intuition than anyone else. We just, we do have innate paths, just like some people are naturally gifted writers. Some people are naturally gifted painters. Dear God, that is not me. me but either. if I practiced, right? If I practiced physical art, right? If I practiced painting, I could develop that skill set, mm. right? I may not be an innately gifted genius musician, but if I practice, right, there are certain things I can cultivate. So. Yeah intuition is the experience of receiving knowing beyond logic mm. bypassing your conscious mind which is an easy thing to say not necessarily an easy thing to do right <laughs> but intuition is the data that you receive that you just know and you can't necessarily explain 
can't necessarily logic it away. That's the really sweet kernel of intuition. Yeah, that's a great definition. And I think that it's really important for everyone to note that we all are born with intuition. But over time, culture, community, our own selves, we can bury that. But yes, people ask me all the time, oh, I don't think I'm not intuitive. No, you, you have it buried. <laughs> mm-hmm. You are everyone. That's a spiritual gift we were all born with. And we can definitely practice and cultivate that. So I teach a lot of classes on basic paganism, as well as mentor new pagans and witches. And one thing that I see time and time again are witches trying to follow a spell, a ritual from a book that or something online they found. And they say, I can't. I, oh, what the hell is going on here? I don't have these ingredients. I got to go spend all this money. And it really bothers me a lot. So what's your take on that? I'm going to I'm going to pull in a little bit of my anarchish identity here. <laughs> so we're going to zoom out big picture for a second. I I I call myself a low-key anti-capitalist. We're going there. Okay. <laughs> low-key anti-capitalist. Um low-key because the phrase anti-capitalist is like that's a heavy phrase. Immediately a lot of people are like, "Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go hang out with this really crazy person." <laughs> It's like, it's approachable. I'm not gonna shame anyone. It comes back to this root of questioning everything, Mm. right? And I think it really, it's it's a layered approach to getting to this problem you're experiencing, that your people are experiencing and you're seeing of like, oh my God, I have to go spend all this money or I can't do it right. And to me, it all goes back to one of like one of these systems capitalism being one of them Mm. one of the core tenets of the systems that we're operating within right now is separation we have been separated from our intuition and really a lot of what's happened is that we've been separated capitalism separates us from our bodies and our knowing from spirit what spirit, God, universe, source, goddess, whatever spiritual beliefs you hold, and from our land. Mm-hmm. So it's a really kind of a, a triad of separation so that they could be commodified, right? If spirit is not commodified, capitalism doesn't work. It can't sell you back your sage. It can't sell you back your intuition. It can't sell you back. And to be very, very clear, I am absolutely here for healers to receive for their services, right? It's a it's a very complex, nuanced question of how do we right. operate within a system while challenging the system. It's right, heady, right. it's complicated, <laughs> right? So I'm I want, but I want to make make very clear: healers need to make money as long as we're in this system. Dear God, healers deserve to be paid for their work. Right. Okay, but because there's been this separation over centuries that all of us were born into in these this life, there's this underlying subconscious, unconscious belief that I'm separate from spirit. I'm separate from power. I'm separate from the power required to co- correctly do this ritual, to correctly engage with this spell, right? Mm-hmm. And that underlying belief is what is playing out 
when we're sitting here being like, oh my God, I found this thing, but like, where the heck am I gonna find? I remember when I first started uh, using cinnamon for smudging. I was like, cinnamon sticks, I don't, but it's gotta be like actual cinnamon sticks and it's gotta be, and it's so expensive. Like, I don't know if you've ever bought actual cinnamon, it's real expensive. Yeah. And that's, I'm just, that's one ingredient I can remember that in the recent past, I was like, oh wait, why? What am I supposed to do? Now I can't do this thing. Ugh, exactly. I give up. Yeah. That is nonsense. That is only rooted in the belief that you are not already powerful. Mm-hmm. And I know that can be hard to wrap your head around when you're new or when you frankly like don't feel powerful when it's like, yeah. I don't know if these spells are working. I don't, I have no idea. It can be hard to wrap your head around, but I want to I wanna drop into a little bit of a, a kind of metaphor here. So I'm married to a chef. My husband's a chef. And if you've ever, I mean, even gone to a restaurant, right? If you've ever had someone who is a really good cook make a meal for you, they may have sort of a rough outline of the recipe, right? They probably have sort of a rough outline. But for the most part, if you've ever watched someone who knows what they're doing in a kitchen cook, it is intuitive. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They're involved in, they have a sense of what's the desired end outcome. They have an intention. A lot of the times in the kitchen, we would call that like a meal plan or a recipe, but no, they have an intention. Mm -hmm. They know how they want it to feel. They know what the end product, they can visualize it, they can sense it. And so that intention, that is, is what is powering the meal. And you can feel the difference between someone cooking a meal for you with intention, with love, versus going and buying something at a restaurant, going and buying something at a chain restaurant versus a locally owned restaurant. Wait, we can feel that difference. Yeah. Or trying to make grandma's chicken and, and, and gravy. Yes. It's just not the same, even if, you know, she'll end up writing you that recipe. Exactly. It's not the same. I think about my family's stuffing recipe at Thanksgiving. My husband, even, he's tried to make it. He's professionally trained. He goes through the recipe and it's good, yeah. but it's not the same. And actually, I think that's really important. It's not the same because he's following the recipe or because you're following the recipe, right? Yeah, yeah. It actually takes the magic out when you cling to the recipe. Mm. And not, I, 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 I want to be very cautious not to jump people into the other extreme of like, oh god, now I can't use the recipe, otherwise the magic right. will be gone. It's not that. Mm -hmm. They are guidelines, right? I, I teach a lot in ma Divine Masculine and Feminine. The recipe is kind of the Divine Masculine structure that gives you a guideline. It can hold your creativity, right? So think about the recipe almost as a bowl or a structure or a skeleton upon which you add your unique flavor, your unique magic. That's what makes it yours and special and really, really, really juiced up is that potency that only you can offer. And your energy is going to matter so much more. Your intention behind it, your ability to practice the muscle of self-trust. That is what is going to power your rituals, your spells, your whatever work you are doing in this space so much more than 
I checked off every single box of every single ingredient. <laughs> right. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Why do you think people don't trust themselves and they will give up before just going for it? Because they will. They will just completely give up. <laughs> yeah. The short answer is because we were born into systems that profit off of you not trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's just training from infanthood, pretty much. Right. Just, yeah. Right. And it's <laughs> it's it happens in, I think, both a macro and a micro sense, right? So the macro is you're born into a system that profits off of you not trusting yourself. Because if you don't trust yourself then I can be over here and be like, hmm, okay, what are all the ways they don't trust themselves and let me write a book about that. And again, it's not everyone is evil. There are plenty of people selling things that are absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. but we are all engaged in the system that is inherently perpetuating at least a low degree of harm. Yeah. And so when we've been born into that system in the macro, there are these micro teachings, right? They're unconscious. Most of the time it's not even spoken. Yeah. But this unconscious learning of like, oh, okay, this this intuition thing is only like for kids, right? Mm-hmm. I think about, I, I first started, um, it was my younger sister had a, um, goodness, she was maybe 10, 11, 12, young, when she first started engaging in Wicca. I was like, what is this? I'm very intrigued. I remember sitting in Barnes and Noble <laughs> in the tiny like three book wicca section (laughs) we got all of them because we because we did even as like young 10 to 13 year old kids we were already not trusting ourselves Mm. and and then we went hog wild we were like okay we got some ideas of spells but like we don't have any of these ingredients we were living in the florida panhandle i don't know (laughs) back then there was nowhere you could get any ingredients for spells right like i was lucky to get some like basic incense and we just got creative like you do when you're a kid, right? I think about when I was cooking when I was a kid. God help our kitchen and whatever we made, right? It was like we made these crazy things, but it's relegated to the realm of, oh, well, that's just, they're just being kids. You're allowed to be imaginative until you are supposed to grow up and be serious and be responsible and all of those things all of those little value judgments of being an adult means being logical thinking Mm. things through being super structured right all of those little things are like little micro stripping the part of you who trusts this illogical not always sometimes intuition makes total sense but a lot of times our world is built on just logic not intuition yeah for the listener who is hearing this and saying, I don't even know where to start to listen to my intuition. Any practical tips for learning to kind of get that childlike spark back? Mm-hmm. So the first thing is going to be play. Start playing and a couple of pr- like more, even more practical. Can you play in the kitchen? Can you like take the pressure off of trying to do a ritual right or trying to do a spell right and go to the kitchen and choose a recipe. Find a recipe you've never made before, 
or maybe it's even one that you have made before and you're like, okay, I'm gonna get a little creative. I'm going to not look at the recipe or only look at it once mm -hmm. and see how it goes without attachment to the end result. That's probably the hardest part. Mm -hmm. But be in play. Another way, go get some art supplies. Mm -hmm. If you are already an artist, this is like, use a medium that you don't usually use, right? Okay. Or go try to take some photos and put together a photo project, right? Like get into a creative practice, ideally if it's something you're bad at. So for me, it would be like, go try painting. And I guarantee I am not gonna be able to create what in my brain I'm trying, like is trying to create, <laughs> right? It's gonna look like a three-year-old did it. <laughs> And that's kind of the point, is to have fun with the experience of creation. And as you're going through, notice what, intu it's what intuitively, what do I want to do? And notice both the, I really want to follow the directions, this is really stressful, breathe into that, right? Make a sound. I'm a big, like all the time I'm making sounds, like let yourself express the frustration of like, ugh. I want to do this, but I want to do it right, and I'm stressed. Yeah. Let yourself express the frustration and be like, okay, if there was no right, what would I do? What would I put into this? What color would I use? Would I use my fingers? Get into that experience of a relatively pressure-free creation and trying to listen to what feels right. For me, not right to make this picture of a house look like an actual house. Yeah, yeah. What feels right to me? And I think it's important to note that think of your intuition as a muscle, right? You are, you. I, I hold the possibility for a quantum shift in your relationship to your intuition. And oftentimes it's going to be a slow building process mm -hmm. like you're slowly turning up the volume slowly 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 turning up the volume and the more that you flex that muscle it might be uncomfortable the first few times yeah. right like yeah. i'm never a fan of push-ups they're uncomfortable every freaking time <laughs> but i get a little stronger when i did yeah. three push-ups yesterday right like so approach it with that beginner's mindset, mm -hmm. that strength building mindset. Yeah. The other the other piece is I want to invite you to stream of consciousness right. So set a timer for five minutes, maybe ten minutes, pen to paper. The only rule is that you have to keep writing. Mm -hmm. If that means you're writing blah blah blah, why did this Chelsea person tell me to write? This is so <laughs> annoying, my hand hurts. Great. If that's what you write for five to 10 minutes, okay, try again tomorrow. But stream of consciousness write on the question, how do I know? Hmm. What we're trying to get at here is the primary channel or channels that allow you to know, as well as you'll also start to kind of identify the programming, right? How do I know if you start writing because I read in books, because I have this degree, because mm. I took this class? Yeah. Yes, that is intellectual knowledge, 
but how does my heart know? How does my soul know? How does my body know? Yeah. When I just know things, how does that information come through? One of my big ones is I just hear things in my head, which sounds pretty out there. Sounds like I maybe should be like medicated, right? No, I just, that's my intuition talks to me. I hear it in my head. Some people hear things outside of their head. Another big one for me is clairsentience. My body just knows. I just have a feeling of something, right? And we use that language. I just have a feeling. Mm -hmm. That's your intuition. So step one here is how do I know? So you develop that awareness of, oh, okay, I think I do hear things like that Chelsea person said. I do just feel things. Okay, great. Now, as you're going through your day-to-day life, notice when you start just knowing things, right? Look out for those moments of like, wait a minute, was that my intuition? What did she just say? What did he just say? What did they just say? Okay, wait, I have this feeling. I really feel like I should go to that particular coffee shop to get a coffee today. I really feel like working with rose quartz today. I really feel like working, whatever the thing is. Okay, try it. And start listening for these little nudges or sensing for these little nudges. It's not always listening and following them Mm. because that's how you flex the muscle. That's how you start to trust yourself again. Because if you've been avoiding your intuition and ignoring it for quite some time, odds are, like any relationship, your intuition is kind of like, okay, I'm still here, but I'm exhausted. Like, I'm still here, but I'm not trying to yammer on trying to get you to pay attention. Yeah. Right? We've all, I, many of us at least have had that friend yeah. who were like, come on, I've given you this <laughs> advice 5,000 times and you're doing exactly. the same thing. Yeah. Eventually you're going to be like, yo, do you... I'm going to be here when you want to talk about how it didn't go so well. Yeah, I, I have been that person. <laughs> We've, I've been that person too, absolutely, right? <laughs> and at a certain point, our friends are like, I'm going to be here when you're ready to actually make a change. Yep. Your intuition might be a little bit tired, right? Mm, yeah. So be gentle and start showing, right, to rebuild trust with that friend who you've been ignoring for forever. Yeah. You're going to have to come back and be like, hey, sorry, I was ignoring you. Hey, I'm ready to listen now. I see you were right. So can you approach it with that, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit curious, a little bit like humble of like, my mind's been running the show. I'm ready to listen. Mm. And I might be a little scared because you might sound a little crazy sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm going to start, I'm going to start to dip my toe in and slowly listen practice listen practice yeah that's great advice one thing that you said stood out for me about having fun Uh and you know when you think about spells and rituals or anything that you're listening to intuition I mean I listen to intuition when it says hey go in this thrift store because I always find something so it doesn't have to even be spiritual but specifically I have found that a lot of people think Doing spells, doing rituals needs to be stuffy and serious. And then they come to something that I'm doing and we're dancing around and we're screaming or making noise like you were talking about mm-hmm. and just having fun. And I think some people say, wait a minute, that's that's not right. you got to be serious. But that's so important to put 
fun into so many areas of your life. So I really like that you mentioned about fun. Yeah. Well, and so ugh, I have so many things to say in that. <laughs> First, I, w- I was going to say I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't really. I play a lot in shadow work and shadow realms, and like I got some Scorpio placements in my chart. So I go deep. I play in the underworld, y'all. Spoiler alert, we're going to die. Like, that's just true, right? And it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, like it's so serious and I really got to have this spell work so that I can have the thing on the other side and I'm so... uh, And devotion has a place in spiritual practice, right? Discipline and devotion, devotion can be beautiful spiritual practices and... To, to a certain extent, what is the point of doing anything if we're not having some fun along the way? Yeah. We don't have unlimited days in this body, this, I call it a meat suit often, right? Like this meat yeah. suit that your soul is living in is numbered. Yeah, yeah. And that can be an overwhelming and scary and pressure-filled thing that turns into like more serious and I gotta squeeze out the best of it, da, 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 da. Or it can turn into a lighthearted reverence of like, okay, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. It's been commodified into this cheesy, like, seize the day, ha ha ha, we gotta live, <laughs> laugh, love. It's been turned into that. But I'll invite you to really take in if you remembered the impermanence, how would that shift things for you? Could you let things be a little lighter? Could you let your spell work have a little more fun? Could you let your ritual and your spiritual practice be a little more like play? Mm -hmm. Right? And the other piece is, if we're thinking purely from a frequency perspective, play and joy are really, 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 really high frequencies. Just literally think about how your body feels when you are playing. Mm Versus when you are super serious and really attached to the spell and I have to do the right thing. Just which one do you think is more like more powerful? Truly. Yeah. And maybe there again, there is a time for seriousness and devotion. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. But that can be another place to play with your intuition. For this practice that I'm engaging in right now, does reverence and silence and stillness and devotion and seriousness feel like it's got the most juice behind it. If so, great, engage in that space. Right. Or does getting a little playful, being a little silly, being in that more buzzy, just think about how you feel when you imagine charging your work with that energy versus serious energy, which one feels correct for you? And trust it. Yeah. Gosh, so important. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.